Welcome back, everybody, to the Sons of Comics podcast. I'm Steve Pugh, your host. And I'm Scott Hill, a.k.a. Hipster Batman. And if you haven't checked our Podbean page lately, you would know why. Uh, I labeled myself as Nightwing, Gabe is uh, Mikey from Ninja Turtles, and as already mentioned, Scott is Hipster Batman. I was in the crime fighting before it was cool. You have to wear your, your hipster. After me now. It's ridiculous. All you biters. What's with, modern bat, what's with modern Batman representations these days? I mean, I'm supposed to be the world's greatest detective. I don't sense much detecting. <laughs> All I sense is a lot of copying of Mortal Kombat. And I would never copy from something that cliche. And a lot of Snyder marks sitting at a Starbucks with your scarf around your neck and your, and your uh, very tight pants, you know. Type All of that is true pants. except for the Starbucks. I would do it in the I would do it in the Batcave because it's underground. The underground Starbucks Batcave. Yes, of course. It's genius. I wonder what kind of coffee he drinks. Black, pure black, and sometimes very dark. <laughs> very, very, very dark gray. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good Lego movie reference. That, that's the best thing is that when you're like who. You know, it's like hipster Batman is basically Lego Batman is hipster Batman. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is real music. <laughs> Listen to my new subwoofers. I call them the dogs. Listen to them bark. <laughs> uh, well, Arnett did a, a smashing good job of playing Batman for the Lego movie. He yeah, definitely I can't wait fit for the, the Lego Batman movie just for that reason. I actually watched a Lego like Justice League movie the other oh, day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that little yeah, short one? It was like Batman beleaguered. Yeah, I did see that one. And how he's like he doesn't want to work with the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what like possessed me to like watch that. It's probably because I'll watch anything Batman. <laughs> I was going to say, I know exactly what possessed you to watch yeah, exactly. that. I'll watch it's anything a Batman. DC on it. You're right. You're very, very much right. And I wear that proudly. Anything DC, I'll pretty much watch it. I haven't ever watched, like, Lois and Clark. And I doubt I ever would. Mm. But anyway, yeah. But that, uh, that whole thing got me thinking um, earlier today. A coworker of mine and I were talking about movies, and uh, we came on the subject of uh, airplane. And he and he and I just started like throwing out quotes from airplane left and right. And one of my favorite ones of all time was when that little boy is sitting next to that little girl on the plane, and he's like making tea or coffee, and uh, he hands her a cup, and he's like cream or sugar, and she's like, no, I take it black, like my man. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I, I I love that movie so much. I have to rewatch that this weekend. It's like, oh, stewardess, I can help. I speak jive. <laughs> I speak jive, yeah. Come with some slack, Jack. Chipofo, but a lady to the bow is jacking me up. Tally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that movie is so classic. Oh, oh everything so about classic. that. It's you like, know, I've heard so, uh, um... y- you ever, y- You ever watch movies about gladiators? Have you ever seen the inside of a gymnasium? You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> My gosh. 
Hey, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play for the Los Angeles Lakers. About, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I'm about, son. Just... My yeah. name is Roger Murdoch. I'm a co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> My dad says that he sucks. He's like, okay, listen up, punk. I'd like to see your dad run up and down that. <laughs> yeah, ask your dad to run near far up and down the court for 45 minutes to see how he does. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, good. so good. That movie is just yeah. That one I'm rewatching this weekend, just... as well as the other guys. The other guys? Have you never oh, seen yeah. the other guys? I did see the other guys. I don't know. I didn't think it was as good as a Twenty One Jump Street. That movie was freaking funny. You know, I like Jonah Hill and I like Channing Tatum. I just, I just wasn't in love with it. You know. Mm. Different tastes, I guess. I guess that's why you're, you know, I guess that's why you represent yourself with the bland, derogatory, everyman, like, uh, like Nightwing, and I go for the posh and cultured hipster Batman. Oh, you new age thinkers are all alike, with your snarky remarks and your your fashion trends and your trendy okay, eyewear. First, first of all, you're not, you don't even know what the definition of new age means. Okay. New age started out in the seventies and it was like a whole mystical movement using crystals and that sort of thing. Hipsterism and new age are not even alike at all. I don't see a difference. <laughs> you wouldn't. I wouldn't. You uncultured swine. I'm the swine. <laughs> I don't care. I like Nightwing. Deal with it. I, yeah, I'm i not. I don't. Oh, I lose so much sleep over it. Yes. So much do. sleep. But anyway, listeners aren't here to listen to us babble about, uh, you know, our favorite characters. They want to hear about what we think about the smash hit that is Deadpool. And that's what that's we're here to talk nice. about. Yep. Um, yep. First of all, I have to say, for $48 million budget, Wow. You know, wow, that's they did a smashing good job, you know, putting a yep. movie together on a budget like that. Secondly, it's it amazes me that Ryan Reynolds is the one that pushed so hard for this movie to happen. Like for the last ten years, like that's that was like his main goal. After Wolverine Origins, he's like, that was crap. I want to do real Deadpool. I want to do legit yep. Deadpool. And. Yep. You know, he even mentioned in an interview that he may or may not have leaked the test footage that kind of sparked no, the whole thing. He was 70% sure it wasn't Yeah, he him. said 70%. That's what he said, yeah. He said he was 70% sure it was not him. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, 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 I would put it on Tim Miller. I, uh, or is it Tim or TJ Miller? Uh, probably TJ. Tim Miller is the director, but, you know. That's what I meant. Oh, but, yeah, uh, Tim Miller. Yeah, like, I, I actually, he's the one I put my money on as being the one who leaked it. He's a first-time director, like, movie director. Yeah. You know, this is his first thing he did, and he just broke the, you know, I mean, he he blew up the bank, man. He he robbed the bank with this movie, you know. Yeah. Um, other things that he's done that are pretty mentionable, he did a lot of the uh, trailers for Batman Arkham Origins. Mm. Like, uh, did you ever see that short trailer where it's like a 15-second trailer, but it shows like Bruce Wayne in the alley when his parents get shot, but it like focuses, 
focuses in on him only, and then it kind of transforms to, you know, the sad boy at the funeral, and then the boy at the yard getting picked this, on. Was this with live-action actors, or was this No, with, this uh... was animated. This was, okay. uh, you know, all CG, but, you know, it was like the best, shortest uh, origin story for Batman that I'd ever seen, just done in a trailer. Like, it took 15 <laughs> seconds to show dead parents, picked on in school, became a ninja, learned how to be Batman, and, you know, became Batman. All in 15 seconds. Why can't all origin stories be that way? Well, I mean, Superman's origin story can be boiled down to basically four sentences, as All-Star Superman would show. But you didn't read that, did you? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. My kid's freak. Yeah, I wish that most origin stories could be like that, but, you know... Uh, speaking of Deadpool, though, uh, did you like the fact that they kind of like wove the origin story into the main plot? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, very economical to do so because that way it sort of like gives you some funny stuff before it gets into the more serious stuff, and then you go back to the funny stuff. I think maybe they could have done it a little better. Like, I kind of feel like. Oh, I'm conflicted on it because on the one hand, I appreciate the fact that the movie was not all laughs, but actually tried to make you care about Deadpool. Because one of my biggest complaints that I get in reading some of the later Deadpool comics or stuff based off of him is people just try and be joke a minute when what made him compelling originally was the fact that his life sucked. And the way he got through it was by making fun of everything. And that's what like him. That about him. Yeah, that he kind of cracks jokes at life and everything around him because that's just how he deals with life. That's how he separates himself from it. But yeah. you know, like yeah, we like... Were, like we just mentioned though, the I think having the the origin story woven into the throughout the whole movie made it a lot more impactful because it kind of broke up the the funny moments with very dramatic and. Uh, personal moments for, oh my for Deadpool. You know. Oh my gosh. The the best part, the part that almost like the part that was actually rather beautiful was the part when he hears the news about the cancer. Yes, I was going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, he just says in, and says in voiceover, um, I guess we should mention now this is going to be a spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> if you have Deadpool, spoiler. go watch it before we spoil it for you. I'm going to count to three, two, one, and then just move forward. Three, two, chimichanga. Anyway, uh, but the fact that, you know, when the news gets broken, he his first instinct is just to turn and look at Vanessa's face. And she's sitting there already trying to plan things, but he's just trying to memorize every feature yeah. just in case last time you see it. She's it is like plan A, plan B, all the way to Z, and all I can do, and all I'm going to do is try and memorize every part of her face like it's the first yeah. thing. And it's yeah, just it's like, like, wow, this is, this is it's like I was feel not emotional. It's giving me the feel. Yeah, I was not expecting to feel emotional in a Deadpool movie. Yeah, you Deadpool, you, you did it. You, you nailed it. And yep. this, is, this is a love story. And it's kind of funny that a movie with so much crass humor and bloodshed, you know, has a heart to it. And I was surprised yeah. because I read that in a review. It's like, even though the movie is a lot of, a lot of dick humor and, and, you know, killing, the movie has a strong heart to it. And I was like, man, 
that is amazing. I mean, they they made the rounds. They they nailed every part of generally a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like it's those those tend to be the best type of movies are the ones that make you are the ones that make you care about the people and not just make you laugh at the people. I mean, that's the difference between like a, that's the difference between the wedding singer and freaking um what was the one that he just barely and pixels you know yeah yeah i'll have to agree with you there for sure yeah it's like pixels is like i don't care about any people i don't even care about peter dinklage how did you how did you accomplish that movie i don't care about peter dinklage i liked peter (laughs) Dinklage in days of future past but not in pixels I like Peter Dinklage any time. He's Peter except, Dinklage. Except for Pixels. Yeah, and yeah. and I guess Destiny, too. But, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. No. But, but, yeah. The movie definitely had a... Sorry, had, hold on. I've got a to put on my movement to it. For a second. He that? was the best in the station agent, though. Who? Just got to say. <laughs> Sorry. I broke you up. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it had a good movement to it, you know, emotional-wise and with all the jokes, you know. And in fact, a lot of times, I barely noticed a lot of the swearing, mostly because the swearing fits right in in this movie, and you barely notice it. Because you can go watch any other movie that's rated R, and the swearing will catch you off guard almost every time, and it'll shock you. And here, it doesn't shock me at all. Even when that guy gets plastered on that freeway sign, I was just – I laughed. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like gore or bloodshed to me when it's supposed to be funny and, like, outlandish and way out it was, there because it's this a Deadpool movie, movie. This movie, I think, might have gotten a little, over, uh, little overblown when it came to, like – it definitely earned its R rating. But that is – that said, though – there are definitely movies I can think of that had way more blood and gore. And oh. other movies I can think of that had way more boobs and sex. And other movies I can think of that had way more swearing. And I'm sure I can think of several movies that had way more of all three. That said, though, this movie still had it in spades. But, like, yeah, like, I mean, you you watch something like Hot Fuzz, that had some, like, ridiculous gore in that movie. Did you ever see Hot Fuzz? Which I still have not seen. Steven, what is wrong with you? That's Mr. <sighs> Steven. Get it right. You, co- you come to my wife's house, you get my wife's name right. And you get yep, married. pretty much. What is my wife's name, Steven? What is it? I've never met her. <laughs> that's, that's no excuse. You should know these things. I don't know everything, okay? I'm not, a, and I'm that's not why... an encyclopedia. And that's why you're not a hipster like me. Uh, enough with the hipsterisms. Um, hey, you're the one who encouraged it. Yeah, I sure did. Um, yeah. <laughs> now he's gonna go change that sign. I <laughs> he's loved, I loved uh, Miranda Backerin. Like, I don't know what her deal is, but she is in tons of comic book related stuff. Yeah. She just, I think there are certain actors like. Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion and Ryan Reynolds and uh, Chris Evans that just love doing comic book related uh, yeah. anything. 
and they just they, they do it because they're they're nerds. They're nerds at heart. And Miranda Baccarin is no exception. Um, and I thought she was great. You know, I love the fact that in one of those emotional moments, he's uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Wade Wilson goes up to her and says, "Why we work together so well is because my crazy matches your crazy." Yep. And I was like, "Wow, yeah, it most certainly does." And she plays it really well. And apparently, she's supposed to have powers. She's supposed to be a copycat. Yes, yes, I, and I still remember reading the original, the original Deadpool miniseries, um, and it actually ended very touchingly because um, what it was is it was Tolliver something. It might have just been Tolliver. Anyway, this big bad guy had died, and his will basically said that whoever, whoever is able to find it can have my greatest possession, which is the ultimate weapon. And so, of course, everyone's trying to find, you know, everyone's trying to search the clues to find the ultimate weapon, because according to his will, they get to keep it. And it turns out the ultimate weapon is this, uh, is like this android robot thing called, I think it was called Zero or something like that. Anyway, whose primary purpose is to dismantle all weapons in the vicinity hmm. and so when it ends up getting activated uh what happens is that crap i'm spacing out on names but the villain that the villain that deadpool is fighting who uh they they, they originally wanted to put into this movie but then they streamlined and combined characters so it was all just angel dust um, it's gonna bug me that i can't remember his name but he he's able to kind of extend his limbs and turn them into weapons and stuff like that he almost looks like a cross between the t-1000 and baraka hmm, interesting with just a dash of uh death lock thrown in anyway he gets dismantled but before he had done that he had stabbed vanessa you know through the abdomen and she was dying and basically you know when this thing gets activated she's dying and this thing basically looks at the villain guy's like, oh, you're a weapon. Kills him. And it looks at Deadpool is like, you're a weapon too, and is about to kill him, but Deadpool's able to convince him, saying, look, I might be a weapon, but see this? You know, he pulls, rips his shirt apart, he's like, I've, you know, my healing factor is constantly fighting the cancer that I've got on in my system. She's able to touch people and absorb their powers. If she touches me, she can get my healing factor and can survive. So I may be a weapon, but I'm the only thing that can possibly save her right now. And the uh, android looks at him and is like, your answer is satisfactory, and, and goes off, and he's able to save her. And, you know, 10, 11-year-old me was like, this story is awesome! I do love a good, a good uh, sacrifice story. Yeah, yeah, and... I also liked it too because as they're rooting, as he was with Weasel rooting around for the ultimate weapon, he stuck his head into a barrel and pulled it out, and there were packing chips stuck to his head. He's like, "This is the ultimate weapon right here." Just imagine a whole load of these babies hitting, hitting you. Again, ten-year-old me thought that was the funniest thing ever. Deadpool humor, it's great, isn't it? Um, yep. Yep. And that brings me to another point. So I was reading uh, Desert News, and. Um, this is going to sound 
like I'm like I hate desert movies, but I and I don't. But they were like, "Don't take your kids to go see a Deadpool movie," and I was like, "Um, yeah, that's probably not a good idea." And somebody was like, "They should put a warning on this movie not to bring your kids because apparently some people bring their kids and they didn't know that." The superhero movie included so much nudity and stuff. I was like, Did "Oh my you god!" Even look to see if it was rated oh R. Um. Okay. I mean, people, people aren't. Those people have no one to blame but themselves, especially since, basically, the whole like, because yeah, I, this seems to be a very strong talking point. Because I had uh, people at work who went and saw it, talked about going to see it, and they saw people with their kids in the theater with them, and. They didn't leave, and it's like, what the heck? And it's just, it's the whole ad campaign was basically built around the idea of, hey, you watch the regular trailer, now watch, watch the tra- trailer that reminds you that this movie is not for children. Like that was their ad campaign was built off of the fact this movie was not for children, and these stupid parents still bring their children to the movie. Shame on they're them, dumb, honestly. Yeah, shame, shame on them. And like, like I seriously want to be. No I, I seriously want to put them into like a crowd, and then just have all the people who know better walk around them in a circle, pointing at them mockingly, going "shame, shame, shame," just in circles, all in all, over again. Put them in the of shame. Yeah. Well, for for all um, the cone of silence. One of you, or possibly three of you. Who have seen what we are in the shadows? You're probably giggling at my reference. <laughs> yeah. But you need to see that movie. That movie's funny. <laughs> Especially since the guy who directed it's going to do the next um, is going to do the next uh, Thor movie. Is that Ryan Coogler who's doing Thor? No, no, it's um. He he's from New Zealand. It's a uh, why 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 Cody's ah uh, gosh I oh, should just. It's a really odd name I yeah guess. well i mean it's odd if you're american it's perfectly yeah. normal you're <laughs> perfectly, perfectly normal people. elsewhere yeah but i mean yeah, but yeah it, it bothers like, me to no end that people are like trying to get a pg-13 version made and when i hear that i'm like if you really knew anything about deadpool and you knew anything about the character you would know he is not a pg-13 character he is a rated r character and yeah. If you want him to be in the movies, he's going to be rated R. It's not going to work yeah. very well PG-13 style. Now, if you put him in something like an X-Men movie, yeah, you're going to tone him down. You're going to only give him little bits and pieces, and you may actually, like, bleep out the swear words, and he'll make fun of that breaking the fourth wall somehow, and it'll work out. But honestly, you cannot do a Deadpool movie PG-13 style. Your little uh- petition's not going to go anywhere. I, I don't know. I actually here's a, here's a few of my thoughts on this. I'm actually one of the people that you know. I hope to one day be a film director, and with all of these, you know, a lot of times you'll see movies get released and it's like a PG thirteen movie, but then they'll release an unrated R you know R rated level cut, right? Yeah. I don't see any reason why you can't do the reverse if there's a market for it like back back in my day they used to do that it was called editing the movie for television that's how uh, i saw robocop that's how i saw predator that's, that's how, how i, saw, I hey. saw big lebowski one time 
and it yeah. was it was actually the funniest thing I'd ever seen. It was like, the funniest thing ever because of all the of all the of all the, the hoops they had to jump through to make it okay for TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, they could very easily do a PG thirteen movie, uh, a PG thirteen cut of this movie, and just have fun. <laughs> With the fact that, you know, just call attention to the fact that this was not supposed to be a PG-13 movie. You know what I mean? I would think that's that's cool and all, but I just don't think he works as well as a PG-13 character. And I well, no, no, of course he doesn't. Like, I doubt that it'll actually go through. Yeah, I doubt it'll go through too. But at the same time, though, I think that again, like, like now, if I was to watch, if I was to go watch say, RoboCop or Terminator or Predator, I'll absolutely watch the uncut, unedited version as it was intended to be. But because there was a cut, you know, an edited for TV version that little eight-year-old me could watch and not have my parents bat an eye, I was exposed to those movies, and now I'm like a lifelong fan of those series. So in some ways, they'd kind of be dumb to not make it a little easier for the little Deadpools to be indoctrinated early. I could see that, and I can see why they would do that. However, you got to admit, it's pretty amazing that because they did it R-rated, it brought a whole different demographic to the theaters to oh, see it. Oh, totally, yeah. And, like, oh. so, like, when they, I they, went... They did the right thing in making it R-rated, absolutely. Like, I'm when just I saying. went to the theater with uh, with Gabe, it was it was crazy because 90% of the crowd there were probably between, I, I want to say, like, 22 to, like, 35, maybe 40. And they were all in Deadpool attire... You know, all labeled <laughs> shirts and hats, beanies, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you can think of. And that's all. I didn't, I don't think I saw, you know, I maybe saw 10 teenagers at most, you know, going to see this movie. And I was shocked. I was like, wow, this definitely brought a different demographic than I would have thought. But I I think they nailed it. They really did. Yeah. And it, it, I think it's going to change the way other superhero movies are put you know on film they're talking you know wolverine the final wolverine movie could be rated r they're talking other possible marvel properties going rated r because this on, one was honestly so i think honestly i think the final wolverine movie should be rated r i think it should Old be man logan should be rated r absolutely it's it's ridiculous i haven't read it yet so but I mean, well, they would have to heavily modify it just because Old Man Logan makes use of some Marvel characters they don't have access to. But I mean, just the concept in and of itself is a great concept. But that uh, that said, though, like, like it, the amount of loopholes they've like had to go through to kind of explain why Wolverine doesn't just shred people apart, like. You know, you know, like if you could break it down and just be, you could break it down and just be like, okay, that hit right there was a much less efficient move he could have done than just slicing the guy. But obviously, he's not going to slice the guy because that would be bloody, and you can't have blood in a PG thirteen movie. So they have him strike. You know, what I mean, just that sort of thing, where you kind of 
kind of clues you in that this is forced and not natural. But it's better watching Deadpool go at it because he just he just yeah. guys up. I mean, it, it, yeah, exactly. There's like when I he mean, hails that guy, no... holds him above him. He, you know, slices outward, slices yeah. the guy in half. He's just like, yeah, Whoa. yeah. There's no boundaries. no boundaries, and there's not even boundaries as he sits there discussing what are the boundaries as he, right before he shoots right before he shoots a female thug. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, on the one hand, is it is it sexist of me to be fighting you, or is it would it be sexist of me to not be fighting you? Although I have a question about that. When you saw that, did it cut out before he shot her in the head? Yes, they did. Uh... For those of you who don't know, I just watched it again uh, tonight. I uh, went with a buddy of mine and uh, saw Deadpool for the second time. And yes, they did cut. They didn't show it. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Both times you, both times you saw it. Uh, yeah, I, I remember it. I remember distinctly them him not shooting like he cocked like the gun and he pointed it at her head. But he and you knew he was about to pull the trigger, but then it cut before. To, and they cut. They cut away. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was interesting, and I couldn't help but wonder. But then again, that might also be just a little bit of painting the fourth wall, where it's like, you know what? Instead of answering this, <laughs> instead of instead of answering this conundrum, we'll just cut before and let you decide, Inception style. Exactly. What did you think was of the supporting cast? Was he I thought no. uh, I thought the supporting the... cast did a great job. Yeah. By the way, sorry. Um, side note, because this was going to bother me, the Thor 3 director, and I hope I'm not butchering this, is uh, Taika Waititi. Ah, yes, that's the one. Yeah, which, funny enough, he actually, because um, he's an actor and a director, and so he's, he stars in and directs What We Do in the Shadows, which is like one of the fan- funniest vampire movies I've probably ever seen it's it's great <laughs> check that one out yeah it's like a mockumentary of like you know you've got this you've got this supposed documentary crew following these vampires around and just getting their daily life and what it's like and and it's funny because like you know they're wandering around this they're wandering around the streets at night and they're like well you know we get excited to go clubbing but it's really hard because in order to go club we have to get invited into the club and so like they're just stuck on the street not doing anything because they... a lot like uh, night at the roxbury <laughs> yeah but it, oh, i had to but tell you also, this i saw also... something uh for the first time that i think you'll appreciate that i've never seen before i watched labyrinth for the first time oh yes yes i did not watch that until i was about like 17 i think what did you think of it i really liked it uh even if we're going back and watching a classic, I really enjoyed it. I love David Bowie. I love David Bowie. He was so good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for young Jennifer Connelly, she was pretty good too. But I, I'm i amazed at how much I liked the uh, Jim Henson uh, puppets and, uh, you know, all the uh, – I guess the costumes and the uh, actors that are playing like the goblins. I really, really yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, it felt yeah. a lot like a uh, um, a kind of twisted uh, Wizard of Oz type of story. Yeah, it, de- you know? it definitely had that sort of feeling to it. Yeah, it did. You know, girl gets into this world that she's never been in, and she's trying to reach a goal, and there's yep. a you know evil witch or whatever kind of over yep. 
and there's music and there's there's dancing and all sorts of fun stuff and boy I, i've got to say a, though if this was uh deadpool's new groove i think this would be the point where he stops the reel and be like Haha, hi you, you guys know that this is about me right yes just, yes just check it just check it Bumpy. Sorry, sorry, Deadpool. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. That's it, though. Wait, wait. Actually, before before we go back, though, I've got to tell you something really funny about David Bowie's bulge in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. Because <laughs> you, you you notice the bulge, right? You like yes. can't miss it. Uh, All right, yeah, so it's like in your face. Yeah. So here's the funny thing. Well, there's a couple of funny things. First of all, I know of a few women who have, in all seriousness compared that bulge to them as a uh, as Princess Leia's bikini was to young boys. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're totally just like, yep. Like a, spe- like, uh, like a prominent one is, you know the nostalgia chick? Yes, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's especially one who, like if you watch her retrospective of Labyrinth, she refers to it as the area. And you are not allowed to say anything bad about it. It is sacred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But the other funny thing is, is the reason why he has that big bulge is because, um, you know how he's doing the tricks with, uh, with like the, the crystal balls rolling along his uh, shoulders and everything? Yeah. The way they accomplished that is they actually had a guy standing behind him. And that guy's arms were the ones doing the tricks. Are you freaking serious? I'm freaking serious. So David Bowie, you know, they did like, they did human puppetry that way. So that's how he did the trick at the beginning of the movie with the crystal ball. I was like, yeah, exactly. He's really good at that. (laughs) Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that, um, is that a lot of times in order to like, you know, waiting before to like be able to accomplish it, the guy would be down his head would be down by David Bowie's butt. And David Bowie kind of felt bad for him <laughs> having to be down there. So he jokingly stuffed a bunch of potpourri down the front of his trousers so that it would smell pleasant down there. That has well, to be one of the most interesting tidbits about... Well, no, no, no. It gets oh. even better because Jim Henson, of course, noticed. It's like, what's with the bulge? It's like, oh, I put some potpourri down there so it smells better. And Jim Henson's like, that's hilarious. You're going to be wearing that the whole movie now. <laughs> so the creator of Kermit the Frog is why – is the reason why David Bowie has big – And big why so many young girls movie. who watched that movie were sexualized to it. <laughs> yeah, why so many young girls had fantasies about a Goblin King taking them away. Just remember that we're inception in your mind right now. That next time you see something like that, you're going to see potpourri coming out the front of his trousers. <laughs> In your fantasy, there's going to be potpourri and not what you thought there was. You remind me of the smell. What smell? The smell down my pants. What pants? <laughs> the uh, pants I took off. <laughs> uh, I, uh, and then the girl, you know, the girl in the situation is probably just like, I've seen Labyrinth way too many times. <laughs> hey, we're not here to judge. How many times did you rewatch Return of the Jedi? Uh, that like, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm embarrassed to say that I remember the, the time that I finally discovered that there's totally um there was totally a wardrobe man- malfunction that I believe is still in the movie. Ula, the green Twi'lek dancer. 
total wardrobe malfunction. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I freeze-framed it. Now I have to, like, go back and look for it. Yep. Yep. But it's like, yeah. Yep, it's there. Anyway, (laughs) let's get back to Deadpool here. No, I think Deadpool is a proof of what we're talking about right now, if we're being honest. Um, anyway, back to Deadpool though. <laughs> I I'm a huge fan of TJ Miller. He's he's amazing. He was super funny, and apparently yeah, a lot I'm a of what they of TJ do Miller, movie. especially uh, you know, especially in that one movie with giant transforming robots, and when he got like you know, uh, uh, yes. Flash frozen with his like teeth sticking Metal out and died horribly, and it was nightmare fuel and. Oh, and he was also really freaking obnoxious in that stupid, dumbass movie. Sorry, what was I saying again? Something about how T.J. Miller is awesome, and he's... T.J. Miller is awesome, but in that movie, he was working for uh, Michael Bay. That's and, you know, Michael Bay can make movie. people like... What? In a Bayesian movie. Yeah, like Michael Bay, Michael Bay can make... Uh, you know, Michael Bay could make freaking John Turturro be obnoxious. Yeah, he could. That's, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> it's like he can make, like, I mean, he can make Stanley Tucci seem bad. Which is, like, really hard to do because Stanley Tucci's amazing. <laughs> Stanley Tucci is never bad in anything. He's no, Stanley nothing. Tucci. He's Stanley I still remember, exactly. I still remember being dragged to see The Core, which is, there is no disaster movie stupider than The Core. There's not one. That is the stupidest disaster movie ever made. And Stanley Tucci was absolutely the best thing in that movie. He made <laughs> the best part. Living of after watching that movie. <sighs> yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway, T.J. Miller is great. But the only other movie I've seen him in outside of this really is is. Um, Transformers 4, so... You know he's I'm like, in How to Train Your Dragon and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Oh, who does he voice? Because, yeah, his voice. He is... Uh, I think he's... Uh, it's not... Is he, like, one of the blonde twins? That's what I no, was no, thinking. No. I think he's the other kid. He's, like, the... Uh... No, he's, like, kind of... Yeah. I think... I think... if He's the one I'm thinking of. I think his voice, I actually wondered if it was, like, Jason Lee... Yeah, but that makes sense. I know he's in there. Um, anyway, yeah, super riveting conversation. Uh, he and Ryan Reynolds—they did a lot of like improv for some of their jokes together, and apparently, and apparently they, on. apparently in the scene where they were discussing what uh, Deadpool's face looks like, um, apparently they uh, they let out some improv jokes that are bad or just terrible enough that. Even the people involved in this movie are like, we can't put that in the movie. Can't put that in there. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> um, yeah, Miranda, we've already talked about Miranda Baccarin. She's she's amazing. She did great. Uh, I even yep. like Ed's. Uh, is it Skine or is it Skeen? He's the. Ajax I'm not really Ajax. sure. Yeah, it's Ajax. That's not his name, and you know it. His name Francis. is Francis. Have you seen this man? Actually, you know who the real hero of this movie is? Dopinder. The cabbie. Oh my gosh, yeah. The best. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be honest. That was my favorite part of the whole movie, is his conversation and his little bits with Dopinder. Like, 
especially the second part where Colossus is <laughs> sitting in the back, and it all of a uh, So, Dopinder, what's that in the trunk? It's Bentu. It's. <laughs> I did not tell him to put him back there. You should. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Are you, are you there? Hold up. So yeah, he's he's like, uh, Dopinder, who's in the trunk? Oh, my my cousin Bantu, and and like at that moment yeah, he goes okay. into his uh, okay. his two voices. <laughs> he's yeah. like, I did not tell him to put him back there. I am so proud of you. And when we get when you get done dropping me off, you need to go and make things right. You should kill him. And then you need to go and make things right with Gita, kidnap her. <laughs> that was, that's my favorite anyway, part of the anyway. whole movie. Anyway, it's just like anyway make sure you do the right thing you know what to do <laughs> <laughs> yes because honestly we don't if for anybody who knows deadpool he's got voices in his head and this is kind of a moment when you kind of see that a little bit more where he's just kind yeah, of that's, you know, I just just, yeah. him being funny. <laughs> that's funny uh what did you what was one of your favorite moments oh my gosh like... i mean there's so many but you know, boil it down. I mean, I, I loved, I just loved his interactions with freaking Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Like, Deadpool sees her and goes, Ripley from Alien 3! And she's just like, <laughs> fuck, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love that. I just that. laughed because I'm like, that is so the type of reference I would make, and that is so the type of response one of my, one of my younger more millennial more millennial co-workers would say back to me so that's yes. me yeah she was good i also liked al like his moments where he was like talking with al his uh roommate the old blind oh woman my God. so the good ikea bit where they're just trading like ikea names back and forth and it starts to say it sounds like <laughs> it's the so jive bit airplane it sounds like hey i speak jive and they're just throwing yeah exactly out IKEA names. I liked it when his <laughs> hands regrowing, and she's like, "Is it? Am I am I crazy, or is your hand really small?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he's I love it. Attached to this to this stump, it's like <laughs> he cuts his own hand it's off. So oh. See, this is the oh kind of gosh. movie then... where you can do all the craziest crap that you ever wanted to do with a character yeah. because it's all fair game with Deadpool. It's it's so wonderful. It's like Christmas, you know. Yeah. You know he his cutting off his own hand was like even a part I didn't think was even that gross. I was just like, he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. He know it'll grow back. So he's just yeah. like, have you ever seen 127 hours? Spoiler alert. <laughs> You know, he cuts his own hand yeah. off, and I I love the parts when uh, Colossus throws up because he's so grossed out by Deadpool. He's just like, Ugh. Yeah. well, I, I Colossus was really funny in this movie. Like, I mean, like just the way, just how I loved the fact that he finally had his freaking Russian accent. That was great. Yes, and the fact that he's that he was such a straight arrow too. It's like, have you eaten yet? You know, breakfast is most important meal of day. Here, have a protein bar. <laughs> you know, just he definitely sounds like like a Russian athlete. You know, he's just yeah. like this big bodybuilder yeah. type guy. But I loved at the end during his big fight with Angel Dust. Oh, and she has her wardrobe malfunction, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I won't look. I'll give you a chance." And she's like, 
oh, that's so sweet. And then, bap, she punches him. Like Even better than that, though, I like the moment when Deadpool like tries to fight Colossus and he breaks both his hands and his leg. He's like, I'm going to smack the crap out of you. And he breaks one hand and then the other and then his leg. He's like, haven't you ever seen the one-legged you know, guy kick the other guy's butt? <laughs> For freaking Monty Python, the Holy Grail, it was exactly yeah. the same thing. No, I just I loved his face. I loved his face when he realized that um, Ajax, I mean Francis, got away, and he's just d- oh. like quadruple taking, like he got away. Yeah, got away. It's like because of you, got away. He was so pissed. It was just great. So good. Overall, <laughs> though, uh, what did you think of the fight scenes? The fight scenes are good. They were very punchy. I I agree, and I found it funny that he each time he wanted to go into a big fight, he forgot to bring his guns. Because honestly, <laughs> yeah. if he had, the fight would have been over, you know, like really quickly. Well, but the, he's you got know swords. why that happened, right? Well, yeah. I mean, people want to see him cut people up with swords because that's what he does. Actually, what happened was, did you hear about the the budget cuts that happened, like right before they went into filming? No, actually. Yeah, like right before they went into filming, the studio slashed like like a million dollars or something from the budget. Like they they slashed a lot. A million it may not have been a million, I don't know. They slashed a lot of money from the budget. And so they had to like go back and do some rewrites. And the things that they realized the originally he was not going to forget the guns in either case. He was going to have like massive shootouts. But they're like but they're like, "Okay, so now we have to figure out places to you know, to, like, cut the budget, and that was one of the places where they're like, well, what if he just forgets his guns? (laughs) It would be so funny if he forgot his guns. So, so in the same way, it's almost like the reverse of the Indiana Jones shooting the sword fight guy. (laughs) Originally, he was supposed to have a sword fight with the guy, but because because Harrison Ford had the trots, he's like, what if I just shoot him? (laughs) It's like, that's a great idea. Did like the opposite did you like, see the Star Wars version of that? <laughs> no. It's awesome. It's like, do you want to know how to defeat, you know, uh, Kylo Ren? And it shows, like, Indiana Jones or Han Solo basically running around the corner with his pistol, and he shoots. <laughs> and he just shoots him. <laughs> and, I mean, well, the whole re- lightsaber comes out and everything. It It looks legit. It's really funny. Well, that, that reminds me of how it should have ended making fun of. Uh, the Force Awakens, and one of the things it does is, you know, um, traitor, right? T R A R. Yeah, exactly. The, during that part, they had him instead of throwing his gun away, just shooting Finn because Finn's not a Jedi. He's not gonna block that. <laughs> so, no, he can't. <laughs> he can't. So they just shoot him, and he's just like, hey, 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 and then gets blown to pieces by Chewbacca's by gun. Oh yeah, by yeah, by the crossbow. Yeah. But uh, yeah fourth wall break instead of a fourth wall break that's like, like 16, 16 walls <laughs> genius oh, yeah it's like man i love this big huge mansion but yeah i only ever see you two here it's almost like the studio couldn't afford any more x-men i know it's it, this movie like gets to do all the fun things that you can't do with other superhero movies and we, 
it, We're taking you back fun. to Xavier. Yeah, but which one? Is McAvoy or Stewart? Like, these timelines are so confusing. He, and yeah, he gets to point out all the, the great culturally relevant issues <laughs> yeah. with like within his own universe basically yeah. which is which is so much fun and did you notice that uh the last fight scene was fought on a helicarrier i did not but i had people point that out like i, I didn't even realize i could I not unsee it i was like that looks like a type of helicarrier not necessarily it looks more like the cartoon version helicarrier you see like in spider-man or something like that where they have like these they're not like the big turbines they're like these big jets like giant jets that it, it, it's yeah. kind of an odd look but obviously it's a connection somewhere to uh to, so to shield or whatever that's funny yeah like that and and having bob show up oh right hey, we're from jacksonville really <laughs> yeah i thought that was perfect because it's just like because what's most important about Bob is that he's a henchman. Whether he's from Hydra or not is, you know what I mean? But just the fact they had a nod. It was like, oh my gosh, Bob! I was so... <laughs> I love that. I, I thought it was fun, too. He had lots of times... I even liked, you know, all of his little monologues or his uh, narrations are pretty good. Um, you know, he had the the one where he actually falls unconscious right before they tell him he has cancer. He's like, you know, there are a few brief moments uh, in a in a story like mine where, you know, you you have a good moment and then it goes back to the bad part of life. You know, if they're commercial breaks, that's what he calls them. Yeah, yeah. So I liked I liked a lot of that stuff. I thought it was really good and it played a good role in the overall story and. Uh, yeah, this this movie definitely put a lot of good uh, things to use in terms of just like story writing and you know point A to point B where things went, how they happened, without without wasting time. Like yeah. when you watch Captain America: The First Avenger, you're like, oh my gosh, when is he gonna become Captain America already? In this, you start out with Deadpool as Deadpool, and you get to go back and then find out why, but in a more dramatic see, and meaningful way. See, I don't entirely know that I felt that way about Captain America. In fact, I did. <laughs> I almost like. I actually almost like was liking Captain America better before he became Captain America. Because then, once he became Captain America, it's like montage. You gotta have a montage, and I'm just like, um. But this montage isn't conveying anything important. Like, I didn't like, really like the first Avenger, Captain America, the first Avenger, all that much, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, on, Honest Trailers says it the best. It's like, you weren't that impressed with his first movie. He wasn't your favorite Avenger. But then Captain America, Winter Soldier, comes out and has everyone asking, whoa, why didn't Captain America kick so much ass? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because he didn't hardly do any of it in the first movie. You're just like... <laughs> the first one in Avengers, he was just kind of like a stick in the mud, but all of a sudden, in, all of a sudden, in Winter all Soldier, of a sudden, he's like, really fun yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Did you notice that in the uh, fight montage, when he's like working through Francis's crew, there's like a custom made like Deadpool song going on in the background. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a fan-made song that they brought into the movie. Really? Seriously, like those guys, um, those guys made that rap um, after the video game came out. Uh, it's by a group called Team Headkick, and you know, it's like they're one of the ones that they're not quite as popular as, like, say, epic rap battles of history, but it's still kind of the same thing. They're fan, you know, they're fanboys. I gotta say, that was a really awesome song for the movie. Yeah, yeah. They they changed some of the lyrics for the movie, but yeah, that was, like, one of the coolest things is that is that for that rap, they totally went to some of the fans who did some of the stuff and were like, hey, we want to bring your song into the movie because your song's awesome. And they were stoked. I, I think that's just one of the that right there is a perfect reason why this movie deserved to succeed because that's just really that's does. the type of people who are making this movie. And it it just it kind of it it hits me at my heart because I get giddy and happy about things that ought to happen that mm-hmm. that 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 the big man on top says no to but we make it happen anyway because we will it to be so. You know, this it, this is definitely one of those projects where people were like, we want this movie to happen, and the people that want to even play as characters in the movie want it to happen, so they find a way to make it happen and make producers and executives listen. You know, they, they're like, hey, everybody wants to see it. Are you going to turn them down? Are you going to turn down this opportunity to make several hundred million dollars over a weekend? You know, just, you know, are you going to turn all that money down? And now I'm sure those executives that were like, no, this is stupid, we can't do it, are kicking themselves in their own asses because they're just like, why didn't we do this any earlier? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But James Gunn put out a really good tweet where he basically, he's like, he's like, okay, so here's the lesson they should be learning which is that letting people who care about the characters do a good movie, you know, just do a movie that's true to the characters and everything makes money. But what they're really going to learn is that putting a bunch of crassness and dick jokes and boobs and violence into your movie apparently makes money. <laughs> and Especially when it's Deadpool. He's so right. He's so right. It's like, you're just watch. You're going to see so many more movies that are going to be R rated for the sake of being R rated than not because not because it, they should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether they should be or not, it's like they're making a movie to cash in and not to do service to a really good character. And I think that's a little unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate yeah. that but it's Hollywood. this is, I mean, Hollywood always does. I'm, I'm glad this movie is rated R and I think it's, it's a great, thing to do and this is kind of it's not the rule but the exception this is more the exception to the rule than it should be the rule you know and now they're thinking more rated R superhero movies now I can understand a Punisher movie being rated R nothing wrong with that as it should be I I can understand a possibly like a Moon Knight or a Red Hood story being rated R as they should be but Anything, or Spawn. Yeah, or Spawn, especially Spawn. <laughs> it's just like guns and gore and, and hell and all this other stuff. But, yep. you know, I can understand those characters getting radar movies, but if if they go so far as to take a character that is PG-13 to its core and turn it into radar, I'll be very sad. 
because then they're just like, oh, because it's rated R, it's going to make a lot more money because more adults are going to be like, oh, adult humor, adult everything, let's go see it, and they might screw it up, which I well, f- you know, hope isn't the case. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, is that I remember back in the 90s, that was the strategy. You totally would, depending on the type of movie you were making. Like, if you were making a straight action movie, you wanted it to be rated R. And this, like this was before superhero movies, you know, got big, and so that's why you have something like The Matrix, which I have heard so many people talk about. It's like, why is that movie R? Like, it's kind of, it's barely an R rating, you know, barely, it's not... so on the edge. Yeah, so it's just it's that so, one it's, F word it's away from tame. being PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, is that even then, I I think I remember counting the F words, and it wasn't. You know, like there was maybe one or something. Yeah, the I fun- think there was one, but then I think the gore and the blood and other issues took it to the R level. Actually, was well, there two? Possibly, but no, here's the thing. Here's the, and I'm convinced. Obviously, there's no official word because they don't disclose that, especially not then. But I'm convinced that the reason the reason why that movie is rated R is because during the end credits, like after you have um, Rage Against the Machine's Wake Up song, a Marilyn Manson song comes on, and the chorus uses the F word. If that's the truth, that's that's just sad. But the thing is, is I also wouldn't be surprised if the filmmakers put it in there specifically so they can guarantee an R rating, because back in those days... An R rating was a more prestige thing. It's like, hey, this is a sign that we're not going to BS you. We're this going is an to edgy, dark movie. A, you know, you're going to get a get yeah, you. you're going to get an edgy, dark movie for grownups. Mm-hmm. You know, that's back in the days when Die Hard movies were rated R as they should be. Yes. Oh, gosh, you know? I love. Gosh, but, I love but Die then Hard. All of a sudden, superhero movies came on the rise, and then people were like, "Oh no, we only want things to be PG thirteen. And we started getting PG thirteen Die Hard movies that sucked, and started treating them like a superhero, which also sucked and suck and freaking Die Hard suck. They used Justin Long. They used Justin Long, and they they ruined it. Yeah, you don't. You don't go from having Timothy his wisecracking sidekick be Samuel L. Jackson and then trade him in for Justin Long. That's, no, no, you don't do that. Nope. Bring Argyle back. Gosh dang it. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, but yeah, and, and I'm sure that trend is going to start coming back now. Like, I bet you're going to start seeing more R-rated them remember, especially since Mad Max was a big success, too. Such a big And that success. one was also a gamble because it was rated R. And it was, you know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to start seeing a trend of R rated movies starting to come back in style and no longer be like box office poison the way people have thought they were for the t- last 10 years, pretty much. I know. It's, it's crazy. You know, something I noticed as the movie was starting, you know, the, I got the, uh, the trailers and stuff going. Mm-hmm. Half of those trailers were superhero or comic book related movies. And yep. and it's so interesting that it's such a big trend to make superhero movies and they're they're a big seller, you know, they make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh did you see the trailer for Hardcore Henry? 
Uh, that's what I was just about to ask. I yeah. am so excited because I saw uh, like test footage for this uh, maybe like six months ago, maybe a year, even a year ago, before they actually made the movie, and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks awesome. Okay, so I'm going to vent a little bit here, and I'm sorry. You're going to see my hipster. Oh, but, um, here it comes. Uh, here, here we go. First of all, um, I'm surprised it's taken this long for this type of movie to happen because I had the idea for this movie back in 2000. I kid Agreed. you not. I could have seen this coming a long time ago. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, and I know that if I had that idea, other people have had that idea years before me. You know what I mean? Like the idea of an entire movie being first person's perspective. And in fact, even Alfred Hitchcock did a movie that was all from one person's perspective. It's not that original of an idea. But it's but the thing is though is that the way I pictured it I think is a lot less cheesy than this movie looks. This movie looks cheesy as hell, which is not necessarily a bad thing because if it's going for cheesy as hell, like shoot 'em up or you know, any of those type I of movies where it's like, I think yeah, it we know we're being is. over the top and ridiculous. That's why it's fun. Then it's going to be a fun movie. I hope it pulls that off, but I don't know. I honestly think because that's what they're going for, and I think, I, think they'll, I think they'll do a good job with it. I think they'll nail it. Yeah, but I just – I remember that, like, when I pictured the idea of a first – of a movie that was all in first person's perspective, I for one thing, I pictured it as a horror movie instead of an action movie, and – I imagined it switching people's perspectives so that you weren't locked into one person's perspective the entire movie. You would switch back and forth. Ah, uh, I see. And, and I pictured, like, doing, like, different things. And maybe I shouldn't be saying this because I still have this idea and I might go through with it someday. Copyright! <laughs> eh, whatever. This will actually just be evidence that I had this idea then. Um, <laughs> but, like, but it's like I imagined... But I imagine that what you would do as you switch back and forth between different people's perspectives is you would do subtle things to show that it's a different person's perspective. So, like, say you have someone who, when they see things, they see things 60 frames per second just because they have, like, really good reflexes or what have you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, maybe the killer themselves. They see everything in 60 frames per second. But then you cut to the normal people, and they only see it in 30 frames per second second or say you have a person that has glasses well then their glasses get knocked off and now they're seeing everything blurry and so that way it's like or, or what if one of the people are colorblind or you know what i mean so that way it's like i would the make definitely their, uh unique I would perspective make the cinematography for each character's viewpoint be distinctive so you could have an idea of whose viewpoint you're watching you better start through. writing this stuff and copyright that stuff just in case you know somebody no, uh, decides to uh, I've looked at, you know. actually the thing about copyright law is that once you have the idea it's copyrighted you you know it's just it's just you want to have evidence that you had that idea that's why you write stuff down that's why like a really good way if you like if you don't have the money to um if you don't have money to purchase a proof of copyright which is all you're purchasing because it's technically already copyrighted as soon as you come up with it. But if you don't have the money to purchase a proof of copyright, a nice workaround is to print out a copy of your script or story or what have you and then mail it to yourself. And because it's postmarked and unopened, that can be used as evidence if for any reason 
if someone someone infringes on your copyright. Or you could get it notarized, get get a piece of like paper yeah. or whatever your your work is yeah. notarized by or somebody. That way it has say, the date and everything on it. Or you could say also talk about it publicly on a podcast that is also dated as to when it happened, right down to the fact that um editing software timestamps uh recordings. True so, that. Yeah. That's one of the things they taught me in that's one of the things they taught me in the film program was that it's like when you record something, it's time stamped. Like you you know, I mean if you say use someone's camera and you were only supposed to use it for one job but then you use it for another job, they could go through the camera and they could find um they could find the footage and it'll be time stamped that it was filmed using their camera. So don't be stupid. <laughs> like don't <laughs> be smart. <laughs> Yeah, be smart. So, so I think I'm in the clear. This is my idea, people. Oh, and good. Keep like, it. Make sure you, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, so, you know, like maybe five, ten years or whatever, if you see a movie that fits this concept, then you know I made it. Unless it sucks, in which case, forget that I made it. Forget we ever had this conversation and forget about that movie in advance. <laughs> uh, yes, copyright's <laughs> fun. Um, are you looking forward to uh, to a sequel? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the things I'm excited about for the sequel is that, like, like you, you remember how, like, the first X-Men movie was, like, pretty good, like, surprisingly good? Yeah. You know? And it's, like, in hindsight, it doesn't seem anything special. But at the time it came out, it was like, oh, my gosh. This is proof that an X-Men movie can work. Like, it was that kind of, you know, it, it was just that kind of epiphany. Like, you watch it, and it's like, okay. It's like, that was not the greatest thing ever, but it, it proves it. It proves what we've known all along, which is that an X-Men movie can totally work, because that movie worked. Apparently they didn't and think that their original out. costumes could work. Jerks. Well, I mean, it can now, but I mean, it, again, product yes. of its time. The Matrix was what was big. We got, we got like, people complain about that, but I'm more annoyed. I I, I would rather have the... I'd rather have the boring black costumes if it meant that we got a storm that was halfway interesting. Okay. Never forget. I'll Never let that forget. go. Never. Mm. Storm. Storm is my favorite X-Men character, y'all. Was not <laughs> happy with that movie. Uh, but even I can forgive it, because otherwise it was a good movie. No worries, no hey. worries. I think X-Men Apocalypse will wrap that up for you. I, I hope so. She's rocking the mohawk, and that it was like, oh man, Storm was so awesome with the mohawk. Yes, she was. The thing that makes Storm such a cool character is that she is a total Renaissance woman. Like she's, she has lived a life. Like she's freaking. It's like, hey, remember that time when people worshipped me as a goddess? Like literally, thought I was a goddess who controlled the weather. Remember and then that she time? ends up with Prince T'Challa or King T'Challa. Yeah. Or hey, remember that time? When I was the leader of a of a group of underground mutants, you know, who were so hideous by the because of their mutant powers that they didn't want to go out in public, but I understood them and was willing to lead them because I related to how they felt. You remember that? Or how about the time long before I was worshipped as a goddess when I was a street urchin and I was really really good at pickpocketing, which by the way is a skill I still have. Or how about the time that I was a punk rocker with a freaking mohawk? Or how about the time, like, seriously, Storm is awesome. 
and she got put in the back corner played by Pally Berry in the movie. Grr. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty upsetting considering how yeah. you know how diverse a character with a great background she has. Yeah, she she has an amazing background. And the thing that makes her such a cool character too is that she really internalizes what the X-Men are all about. She Storm always feels like she's an outsider. She's one of those people where it's like where she's kind of always been an outsider. It's like sure she was worshipped as a goddess, but it was a gilded cage. They kept her on top of a temple the whole time, sitting by herself. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like she re, she related to the Morlocks, you know. But at the same time, they were also incredulous because it's like you're gorgeous. You you don't look like we do, and just the fact that they felt that way to her confirmed her once again feeling like an outsider. She's always, and I think that's another reason too why, even before. Um, even before Halle Berry and and uh, Hugh Jackman kept ship teasing it, because those two just have great chemistry together. Even before that, I always felt that Storm and Wolverine were a way, way better option for romance than Storm and Jean Grey. I freaking never understood what Wolverine saw in Jean Grey, ever. Yeah, like, I'm not so sure of that either. It kind of baffles me, honestly. See, I can understand what Cyclops sees in Jean Grey because Cyclops is every bit as boring as Jean Grey. <laughs> His boring matches her boring. It's so touching. Exactly. Wolverine's interesting, and Jean Grey is a redhead, I guess. Uh, She's not that's... even a feisty redhead. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? make... uh, he's Wolverine. He's a beast. You know, he should be with somebody she... as as interesting and voracious and uh, as yeah. animalistic as he is. Or, or or someone that swings the other way and is like, maybe that's what they're going for, is that she was like extremely cultured and she was like beauty who could tame the beast. But the problem is, is she didn't even seem that demure or, you know what I mean? She was just average. I don't want to cage the beast. I want to let Wolverine out of his cage and see what he can do, man. That's what everybody yeah, wants to like, see. Like, it just, you know, like someone, again, someone like Mystique, who has that kind of like, almost sort of like high sense of uh it's weird calling it fashion because she's literally ska- changing her skin but still she has that sort of high class sense like like uh mystique is strangely high class her and wolverine are like an interesting dynamic because she kind of has this sort of chameleon like high classness but wolverine and jean gray just i it always it always felt forced to me. And even in the X-Men movies, still felt forced to me. Yeah, like, I'll have to agree with you there. Yeah. I, that's something that I hope in the Apocalypse movies happens, too, is that they manage to actually give Jean Grey a personality. That'd be nice. <laughs> just a little one. Just a little soul. That's all I'm asking just, for. Just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I've actually joked with some of my friends... Well, let's see. Have you heard of the um, um, let's see. It was formerly called the the Bechtel test, but it's now the uh, but it's now the Bechtel. Hold on, give me a second. Crap. Anyway, oh, the Bechtel Wallace test. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, so it was origin. It was originally the Bechtel test, but this um, 
this woman back in the 80s, um, you know, this woman back in the 80s, her last name was Bechtel. She wrote, Alison Bechtel, she wrote this, uh, this comic called Dykes to Watch Out For, about a couple of lesbians making a bunch of jokes and stuff like that. And they had one, and she wrote one where they're going to see some movies, and they're talking about, like, what movies are we going to see? And one of them's like, well, see, I've got this funny rule about that helps me decide what movie I want to bother seeing or not. It's just three simple things. Number one, it has to feature, it has to feature, number one, two women. And these two women have to, number two, have a conversation with each other. And this conversation has to be, number three, about anything other than a man. Interesting. Very interesting, especially when you sit there and you look at it and you like, and you notice how many movies fail what seems like what's just a very simple thing, Man, especially compared to the reverse. I've never thought about that before, but that's that's an interesting, interesting kind profound. of uh, yeah. It is very profound. It's a kind of a profound trait that uh, you know it's, it, it's hard to get insight. away from in movies. I guess it it's must an be. Interesting it's an interesting insight into feminism. And it's at this point that I whisper to you all Obi-Wan, like Steven, these are your first steps. <laughs> but that's uh, that yeah. theory has been swinging around a lot. And, uh, I feel like there's some credit to it anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, but the, but the reason why I brought it up though, is that, you know, that's a test that people will, will use to judge a movie. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, just because a movie fails, it doesn't mean that it needs to be tossed out completely. Because some really, you know, some really bad sexist movies totally pass the test. And some really good, you know, humanist movies don't. But it still is just an interesting thing to look at. But there's another one, though, that I think is more indicative of whether, of how they feel about the characters. And it's referred to as the sexy lamp test. The sexy lamp test is if you could take this the if you could take the main female character in the movie and replace her with a sexy lamp like from a christmas story and the story of the movie barely changes at all you have written a bad you've done a bad job writing that character oh man i had no idea and the poster child that I would say for the sexy lamp test is freaking Jean Grey. Yeah. Yeah, Jean like, Grey just doesn't do very much, honestly. She's kind of a yeah. wimp with her powers. I mean, there's a reason well, for that, but yeah, it's like you, you know you look at the whole you look at the whole love triangle thing. Like if you were to replace her with a sexy lamp, how much would the love triangle between her, Cyclops, and Wolverine really change? Not a whole lot, actually. Not a whole lot. They're fighting over a sexy lamp. If you were to, you know what I mean? Like, if freaking, if freaking uh, Mag Magneto and Professor X are, like, worried about how much power this sexy lamp might have, like, how much does that really change the story? Huh. You know? And, like... And like the phoenix possesses this spec this sexy lamp that makes the makes the sexy lamp do things that a sexy lamp wouldn't normally do. How much does that change the story? Not a whole lot, apparently. No, not a whole lot. Jean Grey 
has been, and again, going back to what we've said previously, there's no bad characters, just bad writing. Jean Grey has had nothing but bad writing her entire existence. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. But yep. either way, though, you know who back did get good writing? Deadpool did. <laughs> That's my segue. <laughs> yep, good segue. Although... Uh, how 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 does that how are you able to be on that segue without like falling over like is there a gyroscope in it oh no <laughs> i just roll with it you know i let the i like the waves powered, and the uh powered by unicorns that when they get off they shoot they shoot uh, rainbows out of their their horns, of their horns. <laughs> oh yeah yes they they most certainly do especially in deadpool world <laughs> Deadpool oh cartoon God. world. I wouldn't mind seeing just a cartoon show where they made Deadpool cartoons like that. That oh would be God. hilarious. I actually have pulled up some more quotes from like Deadpool just to remind myself some of the stuff I thought was funny. Oh, like the and... the Zamboni, like the, him killing the guy with the Zamboni was hilarious. Yeah. I'm gonna oh my, kill you I... in like five minutes yeah. <laughs> when I catch up with you. <laughs> yep. I loved the part when he like cut off his arm and like all of a sudden it sprays blood in Colossus's face and Deadpool says are you there God it's me Margaret <laughs> he's like ah there's the, the money shot <laughs> do you, there's the money shot yeah do you get the reference though are you there God it's me Margaret uh, I, I'm not familiar with that one actually so sorry. that was one of the first um, if I'm not mistaken I think it's um, a novel it was a novel and it was one of the first novels to really kind of talk about getting your period oh really yeah oh. it might have not have been a novel it might have actually just been like a textbook but either way it was like one of the it was the first book that was just basically like okay you know what let's start talking about periods because this happens to half of the population on earth and it's kind of stupid we don't talk about it and so <laughs> that's that's the name of the book are you his... there god it's me margaret and so <laughs> i love his jabs at everything everything's fair game for deadpool yeah. you know i loved his so... his voltron references his uh <laughs> bernadette you know that yeah. even in their like little sex montage they had some fun references and they happy women's <laughs> you know happy women national women's day that's a National Women's Day. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, Thanksgiving and, and you know, Chinese oh, New Year. That, and the fact that when they said Happy Lent, that was the one holiday where they weren't they having sex. They weren't having sex, sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which totally makes sense. It, it, You know, all of it, it's just all fun. It's all fun. Yeah. And even though most of the humor is, you know, it's all, it's all crass, but... It's yeah. it's really fun and entertaining to listen to his jokes because, you know, for most of us that are old enough to know who where Deadpool came from can catch those references and just translate them into why they make us laugh. And, yeah. you know, it's it's just all down to good writing. It's down to yeah. good writing. It's down to uh, the, the kind of people that play these characters wanting to do them justice and make them watchable you know, for, for their fans, which, you know, like I said before, it's just this, this certain age group is really, really, you know, into Deadpool and they just nailed it. They really did. And I, you know, I can't stress enough that 
I, I'm so happy with the way the movie turned out. Like, I, I came out of the movie smiling, and I knew I would, but I couldn't believe yeah. how much I was smiling because I was just so entertained, fully entertained by the movie the entire time. You know, everything worked together so well. It yeah. wasn't just him cutting up dudes. It was him making jokes about cutting up the dudes, he, you know, he was killing yeah. while, you know, having a purpose to it. You know, I want to save my girl... And, yeah. you know, I want to get back at the guy that did this to me. I want revenge. And even in the end, you know, even what he was after with that guy, he didn't get. And he, then he just, you know, blew his head off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, like, similar to, like, what I've said, what I've told people when it came to Star Wars The Force Awakens. The reason why I liked that movie and this movie is that when it came to expectations, I didn't need... I didn't need either to be, like, exceptional movies. I just wanted no. them to be well-made movies. You know, there's a difference. It's like you, it's like there's movies that are, like, exceptional where it's like, oh, my gosh, I have never seen a movie like this before. This has, like, blown my mind. For a lot of people, when The Matrix came out, it was that type of movie. Unless you watch Japanese anime, in which case you're like, oh, my gosh, they totally ripped off Ghost in the Shell. As one of my friends smugly told me, and I still hate him to this Aww, day. Oh, you just told me that. Now I'm thinking about. Oh, gosh, dang it! Right? Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to stew over that one and be angry at you for that one later. Uh, you know what? You know what though? It's no different than Tarantino. You know, it's like there's a there's a fine line between between ripping off and doing an homage. That's what I felt like this movie was almost. This movie was like watching Quentin Tarantino take a superhero movie and write it while he's like on speed or he's on, you know, acid. He's just like, no. he took a, a bloody, you know, cut him up, interesting, quippy movie and he also let the humor ride it. And see, have you. I can kind of see that, but having watched uh, The Hateful Eight only like a week before seeing this one, the style of the movie would have been much different. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Maybe, it's not a. Tar I'm thinking original the, Tarantino, the, not not today's Tarantino. The, yeah, maybe the yeah maybe the Quentin Tarantino who made Reservoir Dogs would have made this movie or but, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. But, uh, in uh, any case, I was I was pleased with this movie just because, again, I didn't need it to be exceptional. I didn't need it to blow my mind. I didn't even need it to be the funniest movie ever made. I just, if it made me laugh and it was, you know, and it was a well-made movie, I was going to be happy with it, and that's what it was. Well, let's be honest. It's kind of hard to screw up, really screw up a Deadpool movie because he's the kind of character that lends himself to just downright adult humor, which almost anybody can write a decent dick joke, but that being said, you're right. It. I wasn't going in there thinking I needed this movie to blow my freaking mind, but I came out feeling like I, I... It was well worth the money, and it was well worth you know, the production value that they put into it, and you know, I tip. I, you know, walking out of the theater, I wanted to clap because I'm like, man, I gotta give it to Tim Miller and to Ryan Reynolds and Rhett Reese and uh, uh, 
Wernick, I think it was, uh, Paul Wernick, or uh, the other writer. Wernick, something like that. Yeah, something like that, but they just, they knocked it out of the park, and for being under budget, and working so hard, they just, they just nailed it. So, you know, tip of the, uh, tip of the cat to them, and just, you know, so happy that this movie's doing so well, um, especially being a radar superhero movie, it still knocked it out of the park, you know. There are plenty of other superhero movies that you would think would have done better than this that didn't, and this movie nailed it, you know. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't beat movies like Avengers or, you know, a couple other movies, but it did beat quite a number of other ones. Well, the funny thing is, and this is just a proof of a well-made movie, is that, is that when a movie just clicks when it works it seems effortless and you find yourself saying about it just like you said you know you're like in hindsight how could anyone have screwed this up this like practically makes itself and yet there's other movies that also should have practically have made themselves yeah, that written themselves like... that suck you know yeah terribly exactly <laughs> like, I mean like freaking a ghostwriter movie should write itself how do you mess that up you... I tell you how you messed that up. You hand it to Nicolas Cage, yeah, exactly. and instead of like doing something interesting with the concept, you try and minimize the concept and just let Nicolas Cage do whatever the hell he wants. Hashtag remove Nicolas Cage from everything that was related to Ghost, Ghost Rider. Yeah, but I mean, but even then it's like, even if they took out Nicolas Cage, it's still, you know, Nicolas Cage was like, it's almost, it's almost like, it's almost like taking a meal, like a, a boring top ramen meal, and then randomly throwing a, 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 a thousand-year-old egg in there. And you're just like, wow, this thousand-year-old egg is a freaking thousand-year-old egg, and that's disgusting and weird, <laughs> and I can't quite take my mind off of the fact that you did that. But if you removed a thousand-year-old egg, it still would have been boring old ramen. And that was the problem with the Ghost Rider movie. Is that if you had taken Nicolas Cage out, it wouldn't have been interesting. But having Nicolas Cage in it was the wrong kind of interesting. And it's like, what you do is you embrace the fact that this is a, not just a horror franchise, but like a, but not even like a goofy balls to the wall type of horror franchise. Like they tried to do with the sequel and didn't work like at all. But, um, but you you embrace the concept and actually just try and go for you know just try and go for like the mythology of it and try and make that seem lurid and cool and yeah. not just oh we have a guy who's literally got like black and spines all over his body what can we do to make him seem more you know approachable it's like no that's the wrong mentality you don't make that guy approachable you brace the fact that dude this guy is covered in spines that's awesome we're giving them that no yeah i mean you you steer into the skid with a movie like ghost rider or with deadpool you know you accentuate yeah. the the features that make them who they are you don't try and augment the characters you know personality and stuff or their the way they are in the comics that just yeah. It ruins it for people. You you want to make them more like they are. Yeah, that's a know. that's a good that's a that's a good um, figure of speech. I'm gonna steal that. You uh, gotta steer, steer into the skid. 
I think that more than anything has been Marvel's strength as a movie studio. They're the ones who have steered into the skid when it comes to their characters. Yeah, it's they like... embrace their characters, you know, personality and uh, attributes instead of trying to steer into something new or something yeah. more nuanced. You know, they, 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 they do the character as the character ought to be. Yeah. So, you know, but Deadpool, he, like we said before, hard to screw up, but either way, this movie nailed it, and I'm I'm so happy it did. I can't wait for it to show up on DVD. Of course, I won't be watching it any time my wife or kids are around because nope. I don't want to subject them to this type of yeah. man humor, dick humor, I, uh, nudity, still, blood, you know, bloodshed. <laughs> I still would love it if. Actually, what I think would be really funny is if they did a PG-13 version of it, and basically, during the parts that have to be cut out for PG-13, they replace it with stupid stick drawings like you saw all over the movie. <laughs> yeah, that actually would that would work pretty well. You should, you should, uh, that would be you should tweet that. Tweet that out to Tim Miller and, uh, and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, like, it's... Like that would be funny. That's totally something Deadpool could do. Oh or, yeah, you know, not even. Not when he goes question. to say the f word, all of a sudden he gets bleeped. And, and then like, why like, are you bleeping what? bleeping me out? Why are you bleeping bleeping me now? What the bleeping bleep? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like they, that. That wouldn't be very hard to do, and it'd no. be very funny. And then it would increase. More people would watch. Even the people who are like Deadpool only works as an R-rated movie would. Watch it because be like, okay, I have to see them making fun of the fact that this wouldn't work as a PG thirteen movie, you know. And then the people who who would only watch it that way would still be laughing because everyone thinks it's funny when a movie makes fun of how it should be a different rating than it is. Like it's. I always appreciate that kind of movie that that can do that, you know, that can make yeah. fun of itself or break the fourth wall. Yeah. It's always fun, always fun to see that. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Um. We are wrapping up here. Uh, my final word right. is... We're uh, wrapping up a bubble wrap without any other clothing. It's yep. very sexy. Yes. You know, we ought to be on the cover of Vogue for this one. Um, it's what time Vogue? to... I thought we were on the cover of Studs and Leather. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Men's Health, uh, GQ, <laughs> uh, and the other, you know, very pretentious uh, male fashion magazine. Um... You know, this movie definitely made the the freaking chimichangas. You know, it really uh, really made it, and uh, yeah, loved it. Uh, my rating, best movie ever. <laughs> my rating, damn good movie. Yeah, about sums it up. But uh, yes, um, our next episode, though, you know, wrapping up and uh, moving on to other things. Um, I kind of think uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, too little or too much. Uh, what goes into a trailer, what should go into a trailer, what shouldn't go into a trailer, and uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, best marketing campaigns for movies. That's a yeah, that's a good topic. I'd totally be down for that. So you, yeah. People can look forward to that. It's not one of our usual topics where we just talk about trailers and movie reviews, but uh, I want to get into some other topics. So stay tuned for some of our great stuff. And coming next month, uh, hopefully at the beginning of March or end of February, 
uh, we will have our first review box from uh, Comic Bento. So, uh, you know, take the opportunity for all those listening to sign up for Comic Bento. Please check them out. They are amazing. Um, I myself just got a subscription and checked out some of the comics inside and I've been really surprised with the, uh, the the quality and the caliber of the comics and uh, graphic novels that Comic Bento chooses uh, for their monthly theme. And uh, this coming month's theme, or the theme, I think, for February, is uh, uh, not-so-super-superheroes. Uh, so it's all about superheroes that are just human, you know, powerless, nice. that they're powerless. So uh, my guess is we'll probably get a Batman in there, or we may get, like, a crime fighter from the marvel universe like daredevil or um punisher or well, punisher ah technically yeah he does doesn't he um so we may get like a punisher uh there'll probably be a few other really good ones but uh super psyched for or that probably have for... yeah <laughs> uh so I'm we'll be uh <laughs> we're gonna take a few minutes uh when that box arrives and we'll uh we'll just you know tell you what's inside give you a fair review we'll bust of that. We'll our chopsticks and we'll show you the contents. Yes, we sure will. We'll flaunt those contents around and uh, we'll tell you That's all right. about it. We'll use the chopsticks to spread those contents around. Mm-hmm. Pick out the yeah, good open, stuff. Open up the flaps of the comic book, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put the rest in a doggy bag. Uh, yep. And then we'll poo in the doggy bag because that's how we do. Yeah. That's how we do do. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> another sponsor that we'll have uh, soon is uh, Geek Fuel. So we'll we'll review a Geek Fuel box as well. These are both subscription services. Um, Geek Fuel, you get fifty dollars worth of uh, geek stuff, including an exclusive poster and a T-shirt in every box. And uh, Comic Bento, you get fifty dollars worth of comics slash graphic novels for fifty dollars. For uh, generally under 25 bucks. You know, it's kind of like the max right there with shipping. But stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find us on uh, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, at Sons of Comics. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Uh, you can donate to our podcast via Patreon. So just go to patreon.com and uh, look up Sons of Comics. You can donate to our podcast even just a, a dollar a month or two dollars or whatever pocket change or lint you got left in there, uh, you can throw it our way if you like us. Uh, send us your reviews, send us your thoughts, contact us, Sons of Comics at Gmail. Um, and yeah, just uh, stick, stick around and stay tuned. We've got great stuff coming to you. Good night. Good night.